0: If you're having repetitive, intrusive thoughts that you feel like you can't ever get rid of, then you definitely want to make sure that you watch this video. Hey, I'm Ty Hicks. I'm a mental health coach. I help people reduce or eliminate depression and anxiety within about 90 days on average. And uh, what I wanted to do today is talk to you a little bit about the source of intrusive thoughts because um, anybody who's got a repetitive mental health challenge has got repetitive thoughts that are not going in the direction that they want to, and they're not exactly sure how to mitigate it. There's a lot of common ways people go about it where they try to do what I call the whack-a-mole strategy, where essentially every time a negative thought pops up, they just try to like resist it, push it down, push it away. And that might work for the moment, but meanwhile, essentially you kind of are putting a lid on a boiling pot where it's taking up more and more emotional space the more you try to resist it and push it away. So that can be a bit of an issue. Another common thing that a lot of people will do is, you know, they'll try to get it out on paper. So they'll use journaling or they'll use some type of thing like that. And that can give you a temporary relief because now, as opposed to your mind going through 10 different thoughts at once and feeling overwhelmed, the act of journaling kind of centers your line of thinking into one particular line of thinking. So it creates that sense of relief. The problem is very often people are journaling repetitive negative thoughts day after day. So they're still reinforcing the same habits of thinking that aren't really going to work for them long term. But what is a much better avenue, uh, Oh, it's a third common route to go about it is to use medication where you're essentially using an adjustment in your biochemistry to mute the effect of the intrusive thoughts. And that can be valuable. The problem is if you don't deal with the negative intrusive thoughts as well, then the medication is only going to have a tiny impact because every pill you take to reduce the biochemistry that makes you feel anxious helps. But if you then are firing off thousands of negative thoughts a day, it's like taking thousands of tiny anxiety-inducing pills. Meanwhile, you've got one anxiety-reducing pill, right? So the better way to have the mental health that you really want long-term is to truly understand where intrusive thoughts come from in the first place and understand how can you actually create a system where your mind is not habitually coming up with those same negative thoughts on a regular basis. Every human being is going to have a negative thought from time to time, especially when we are in a brand new context. When we're in a new situation, our nervous system is programmed to try to keep us safe. And so very often it will default to providing us something that we are afraid of that we can back away from because that's just how our biological programming works. Depression and anxiety comes about when we have cycles of negative intrusive thoughts, and that cycle is the thing that can be broken. So you're supposed to feel anxious when you're walking across the street and a car almost hits you because that's a new unexpected situation where your brain needs to go into that fight-or-flight mode to survive. You shouldn't be having fight-or-flight mode, though, whenever you're going out in a public place or... You need to have a difficult conversation with your spouse or, you know, whatever it is. So I want to help you understand where your intrusive thoughts are coming from. And, and this little mental model will help you a ton. Okay. So um, here's kind of the conceptual way I like to look at it visually. Uh, so I like to think of a football field. And If you think of, if you had a football field, right, and you've got the yardage lines here. Okay, and then let's say you've got your football team out there and they're practicing. So you are the quarterback. Okay, so here's you right in the center of the field. Okay, and you've got, you know, a big basket of thousands of balls here, right? Now what you're going to be doing is you're going to be trying to throw and improve your accuracy by throwing to different locations on the field. So if I either put a regular uh, live player out here in this direction or I put like a stationary target for you and I say, hey, I want you to hit that target or I want you to get the ball into this guy's hand every single time. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the balls. And because this is your target, you're going to aim in that direction. As you aim in that direction, you're going to throw lots of different balls. Now, some of them will land right on the target, but you'll end up, With a lot centering around the target, you'll have a cluster because you set this as the initial thing that you wanted. This is where you wanted to go. This is what you wanted to hit. And as you send your energy in that direction, you ended up having a lot of targets, a lot of results, I guess I should say, that were congregated around that particular initial target. Okay. So this is what happens with the human nervous system. And the term that we use to understand this is values, okay? So think of the target as a value, okay? And let me give you some examples. Some people go through their whole life and their number one value is they are trying to feel safe. And so when they go into a brand new room, they want to feel safe. When they go out on a date, they want to feel safe. When they are figuring out what to do with their money, they want to feel safe, right? And so you can imagine if that was somebody's number one value in their whole life, if that's what they've decided is their number one emotional priority, that's what they want to feel the most, we can already guess what kinds of thoughts that person is going to have based off of the different environments that I just described. So if they are trying to feel safe above all else, right? That's like the center of the target. Here's like a way to envision this because we all have multiple values, okay? But if the very center of the target, the number one value for that person is feeling safe, right? And then maybe outside of that, they also wanna feel, uh, I don't know, love. And then maybe they wanna feel fun. And then maybe they want to feel, I don't know, approval, let's say. I think these are common ones for a lot of people. But if safe is the very centered one, then what's going to happen is that's where the majority of their thoughts are going to go. They're going to emanate around safety primarily. They will still have some thoughts that will, you know, go around all these other items, but if their number one emotional priority is safety, that's where their energy is going to go. That's what's going to happen. And based off of the way that the human nervous system works, when we have decided that there is a thing that we are after, our mind will start to suggest to us information that it believes is relevant in the pursuit of that thing. Okay, so a common example. In the room that you're in right now, just look around you for the color red. Okay, you may have seen this on one of my other videos where I described this, but go ahead, real quick, look around you for the color red. Look and try to find every piece of red you can possibly find. Okay, then close your eyes. Okay, now with your eyes closed, try to remember the blue that you saw. Okay, that's going to be a little difficult. Now if you open your eyes and look for blue, and I'm doing the same, you'll see a lot more blue. Well, what happened was in the first exercise, you decided what you were after. You decided what your target was and what happened. Your mind was able to find what you were after. In fact, you might've even seen things that were pink or orange or brown that were not quite red, but your brain goes, oh, that's almost red. And so it suggests that to you, you see it, you perceive it, right? Then when you try to recall what was blue, you weren't able to do it very well. So that's what happens here in this particular process, is if you've decided that what you want is to feel safe, then your mind is going to be looking for potential dangers, potential things that could harm you, things that could make you unsafe. Your mind will start to invent, quite literally, it will start to take in stimuli from your external environment and interpret it in a way that suggests that there is a danger when there isn't necessarily a danger. Because you've told it, hey, above all else, this is what we want to do. Now you can do this in the negative, and this is what causes things like anxiety, depression, unwanted feelings. Uh, It can be other ones. I'll give you some other common examples. Things that create uh, feelings of anxiety are, uh, the most common ones I see, are anything related to the idea of certain. So. This could be certain, it could be safe, it could be secure. That's a common one. Another one that's anxiety inducing very often is approval, trying to trying to get everyone's approval. So what happens? You have a lot of thoughts about what this person's thinking and what that person's thinking. And you're trying to nail down that particular value. Okay. Another common one is perfection, trying to feel good enough, right? Something like that. Things that induce depression make us feel sad, okay, is when we are mainly focused or fixated on things like this. This actually comes a lot when we're trying to avoid something as opposed to go and get something, but as just as much of an equal power. Like trying to avoid the feeling of failure is a big one, and so what we end up doing... Because we are desperately afraid of failing again is ironically, we spend a lot of time focused in the past on our past failures, or we start to imagine in the future how many different ways we could fail, right? So it can work that way too. Failure would be a common one. Loss is a big one, right? Where we don't want to feel alone. And so what do we do? Our mind starts to fantasize about who we could lose, what we have lost, what we could lose in the future, things of that nature, okay? Okay. Those are probably two of the most common ones I see. So now let's compare this to if somebody didn't make safety, their number one value. But let's say they decide that a totally different value is what they want. And let's say that what they really decide they want is they want growth, right? That's what they say is most important to themselves. And they decide, I'm going to live a life where I value this the most. And so what you end up doing is you direct your thoughts and your energy in a totally different direction, and you end up making different decisions. And the gap between this person and that person is a completely huge, giant gap. This is often why people who feel depressed and anxious feel completely misunderstood by people who are not depressed and anxious. And this is why people who are feeling depressed and anxious can do the well-meaning thing that ends up harming them long-term of surrounding themselves with other people who are depressed and anxious, who just want to commiserate. Because other people who value the same types of things have the same repetitive, constant thoughts. And so when you have this cluster of repetitive thoughts, and you go and talk to your non-depressed father or mother, and you say, yeah, but look at this, and look at that, and look at this, and look at this over here, they go, what are you talking about? That's not what it is. It's this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's that. And it feels like you're not being seen or heard when really it's just that that person is not thinking in the same way that you are because they're looking for blue while you're looking for red, right? And so if you're trying to actually see more blue in your life, the worst thing you could do is just hang around people who only see red because they're just going to further validate the perception you already have, right? Being challenged to see a different view is at a minimum the helpful thing that we need to do, although parents are usually not very eloquent in doing that in a way that we feel receptive to, right? So it's not like, there. you do need empathy, right? And this is where coaching, I think, is very valuable because when you have a coach, you have somebody that can say, hey, look, I've been here, I've seen it like this, but let's try looking at it this way, right? And they can slowly slowly influence you and lead you into thinking about it in a different way, moving that target, starting to value something else. So here's, what's really cool. In my work with clients, what I have found very valuable is I do this process. We call the values clarification process, where we figure out what were all of your old values that were running your life, because imagine being able to know without a shadow of a doubt, what your number one value has been and what your number two value has been and your number three value has been. So that way you can see exactly why you were living the life that you were living before. And then imagine being able to scratch that and pick a totally different set of targets where you now are intentionally designing what you are going to make the dominant focus of your life, what you are going to make the priority for your nervous system to focus on. By doing that, you end up being able to make it so that you don't even have these old repetitive intrusive thoughts popping up anymore. So you don't have to constantly feel like you're trying to X out every single one of them and take care of each one, because rather you're just focused in a totally different area. Because people who are fixated on anxious thoughts are the people who are focused on something revolving around certainty, safety, something along those lines. People who don't feel anxious have a completely different value set. And that's what makes somebody be able to live without anxiety indefinitely, is you no longer are chasing after the things that you used to chase after. So if you're having negative intrusive thoughts, you need to figure out what your old values were. You need to find that out. And it's a very challenging thing to figure out without a little guidance, right? But hopefully this has at least stimulated you, helped you get a little bit of clarity on that. Um, I really can't under, I can't overstate, I should say, the importance of this particular lesson. It's that important and critical. Because if you really want to make sure that you're not just coping with anxiety, but you're actually getting yourself towards an anxiety-free lifestyle, then what you're going to need to do is make sure that you don't just attack this at the surface by trying to eliminate each one of the little tiny negative thoughts that pops up as it does, you need to make sure that you are going after the source of the issue. And the source of the issue is somewhere in your past, you decided what was most important to you and you're chasing after that. And that's why your mind is having these particular thoughts. So I hope this helps you. To me, this is like everything. Um, when I'm really helping somebody eliminate these issues, this is what we have to do. We have to change what they value. Um, because it causes a completely different perception of the world, but depending on what you value. So um, hope, use this to your advantage, take advantage of it, and uh, please leave your comments below. I would love to hear what you have to say, and uh, I'll be excited to serve you in the next video. Take care for now.